You're listening to Working Together for Working Families, sponsored by the Pascal Sykes Foundation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Working Together for Working Families podcast, where once a month we come together with leaders who are utilizing the whole family approach in guiding families to achieve sustainable futures. My name is Jackie Edwards. And hello, everyone. I'm Rochelle Tadiamoa. Join us today as we speak with Dr. Jessica Greenewalt, a licensed clinical social worker who is executive director of the Arthur Project, an organization which provides whole family therapeutic mentoring services to middle school students in the Bronx, New York. Jessica received her master's in social work from California State University and her doctorate in sociology and social work from Boston University. Also with us is Josh Echeverria, director of New City Kids Families for Literacy Collaboration in Jersey City, New Jersey. Josh is a double graduate of Nyack College, receiving a Bachelor's of Art in Psychology with a minor in Pastoral Ministry and Bible. He also received a Master's degree in Mental Health Counseling. He works as a therapist counseling children, teens, and adults from all walks of life. Welcome, Josh and Jessica. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. I'm just going to dive right in. Um, Josh, can you please tell us um, how you use the whole family approach with, within Families uh, for Literacy? Yeah, sure. So Families for Literacy is a, is a collaboration between four organizations working together to partner with immigrant families to accomplish family goals around learning English for parents, increasing literacy and academic support for children, uh, and building healthy relationships and reaching financial stability. So we work together to uh, support the whole family where a whole team as a collaborative comes together and provide all of our services to uh, partner with parents and families to accomplish their family goals. And so we focus not only on just the parents or just the children, we focus on both groups, right? And so with parents, we're connected with uh, St. Peter's University, who's part of our collaborative. They are providing ESO classes to all of our parents who are interested in wanting to empower themselves uh, with uh, increasing their English language. And then also New City Kids, where I'm a part of, we're helping children to read more through encouraging them their reading through incentives and reading challenges. We have case managers that work with every family to help them accomplish their family goals, right? And so in the beginning, when they're with us, we actually create this family goal plan where we track their, uh, their progress throughout the year. And we really make sure that we surround them with the services that is needed for them to be empowered and accomplish the family goals that they want to accomplish. Uh, so we use the whole family approach to empower and to make sure that families are able to do exactly what they want to do, just flourish in this community. Right. Uh, the, all, all these families, uh, like I said, are immigrant families. So they're coming to this, this country wanting the American dream. And so we are here to help them accomplish that and uh, so many other things as well. That's great. That sounds great. Thanks, Josh, for telling us about the work that you're doing. And Jessica, I just wanted to, you know, open the floor to you. Let us tell us a little bit more about the Arthur Project. I'd be happy to. Uh, The Arthur Project provides whole family therapeutic mentoring services to middle school students in the Bronx, uh, where I live. Uh, Students, many of whom are seeking support for academic engagement or social emotional needs, 
are matched with social work students who support them through the duration of middle school. Mentors and mentees work together to set and achieve individualized goals, much in the same way that Josh was describing with his students and families. We use a multidimensional framework to think about the many areas of life that students might want to grow and explore in, including school and career, finance, family, friends, and relationships, community and culture, and health and wellness. So through individual activities with the mentors, along with group activities in the school and community, our students develop essential life skills and through their relationship with their mentor and with others in our program, develop an expanding sense of themselves, the power that they have and the impact they can make in the world. Similarly, our mentors, along with our family advocate, who's also a social worker, uh, supports whole families in setting and achieving whole family goals uh, along those same dimensions that the students are setting and achieving goals. Our family met, uh, advocate and our mentors take a holistic approach by supporting the entire network around the child, really working to strengthen all of the relationships within a young person's social support network. That's great. Thanks, great. Jessica. Um, so, hey, so um, la this last year has been a very trying time for everyone, just challenges for everyone due to the pandemic. Um, Josh, I'm going to start with you. Can you just tell us about, you know, what are some of the lessons you learned in the last school year during the pandemic? How did you learn from those lessons to help prepare for this coming year? Yeah, so I, I don't think it's a secret. Uh, last, last year was very difficult for so many of the children in their academics and in education, uh, at, at least here in Jersey City. We had all remote learning all throughout the whole year. And so many kids who uh, were not so really comfortable and used to remote learning did poorly, unfortunately, uh, in, in vast majority in Jersey City. Wow. But one of the things that we really push for in Families for Literacy is to still meet the children where they are, which for many of us is through Zoom, right? And so we created a online reading program where we were able to have reading groups with, uh, with volunteers and with adults, with the children in these groups specified on their reading levels. And so all throughout the year, we were able to help them with increasing their literacy, even during the pandemic, which is, I say, is a great accomplishment. And so moving on into this year, we realized that um, we need to continue to encourage our kids to read. We need to encourage our kids to focus on their academics. So uh, thankfully this year, it's, uh, we have started on in-person classes here in Jersey City. And I think for uh, the majority of, of New Jersey, it's that way. And so, but we're still wanting to help them where they are. Uh, right now, unfortunately, we're seeing kids having many learning losses from the previous year. Uh, many of the kids are struggling uh, with their academics, with their mathematics, especially mm -hmm. uh, with their reading. Uh, grades, language, arts, social studies. So through New City Kids and through our collaborative, we are working with the kids uh, very closely on a, on a daily basis. So we have in New City Kids, we have a after school program. We're helping the kids with tutoring uh, or, and helping them with their homework every single day. And alongside with the teachers, we're having to start from the basics with many of these kids. So Jessica, with you, you, Josh is in New Jersey and you're in the Bronx, New York. And I know that because you connect with your families through the school, can you tell us and share with us a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced with sure. the Arthur Project? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to echo some of the things that Josh was mentioning around sort of specifically what were the challenges. And I think Josh hit on a lot of great points, but I do think another significant challenge for probably a lot of our families in both New York and New Jersey were around the degree to which parents and guardians really needed to be involved in their students' education, um, even in a remote environment. And if you are a family with many competing demands, like your own employment, childcare, care of elders, your own health and wellness as a parent, um, you know, it just became sort of an impossible task for parents and guardians to provide the oversight and the guidance that, um, that students really needed to be successful. I mean, they had teachers teaching them, uh, you know, remotely, but in terms of processing the content, organizing their time, getting their work done, it really required parents and guardians to act in a role that they maybe hadn't before, which was really sort of another teacher. Um, and I think because of a, the, you know, extreme uh, number and types of stress that families were going through, it became especially difficult for parents to be in that role in such a way that um, allowed their students, their young, their, their children to thrive academically. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there as, a, as another challenge. But I think on a, on a more uh, global level, I think one of the things that we learned over the last year I shouldn't say learned because I think we were really actually reminded of is that for folks who are living in communities that have been historically marginalized, like the community that the Arthur Project serves, uh, global social challenges like the COVID pandemic really only exacerbate the inequities that are already happening. And even though you know COVID was a global and is a global issue and global concern, we saw those inequities get uh, deepened on a, on a local level. And I think for us, what that meant at the Arthur Project was that we needed to return to a baseline of ensuring that basic needs were met for families, including their health, including their mental health, to really serve as a foundation for supporting families and accessing important opportunities that could help them achieve other whole family goals. Um, and ultimately, I think that this taught us to be flexible, to be responsive, uh, to really listen with intention to the students and families that we were serving and to hear what they believed their strengths and assets were along with their needs and challenges and to really adapt our programming while of course still stay, staying mission driven to capitalize on those assets and strengths and to really meet the needs of the families as they were at this moment in time or over the last you know 18 months or so. So thank you both for, you know, sharing some of those lessons learned, um, especially about how it affects the students and also how it affects their parents. I think that's really um, useful to, to understand, especially in the context of working with whole families. So now we're in September and I think, you know, when school started, what, maybe three or four weeks ago, probably both in um, New Jersey and in, in New York. And I, I heard you, Josh, allude to the fact that in New Jersey, there's in-person learning going on right now. And I'm assuming that's the same in New York City. So could you, Jessica, maybe start off by just telling us how are things going so far with in-person learning and are any of the COVID restrictions affecting the way that you are working with these students now in their school setting? That's a great question. So we're actually, I want to say this would be the seventh day of in-person instruction for New York City. We started a little bit later this year. Uh, so I think collectively, we're all still easing into this environment, um, which requires everybody, students, teachers, and supportive staff to be in-person. 
Um, in New York City, there is no option for remote learning at the time being. So this is absolutely an adjustment and a transition period, especially for families and for staff and, and other adults who uh, were working in an entirely remote setting over the course of the last year. I do want to say that I think the schools on an individual basis are really absolutely doing the best they can to ensure that students can learn safely while they're in the building and in providing as much information as they can and as much guidance as they can to parents and guardians. Um, however, on the higher level of the Department of Education, who I also believe, you know, are doing the best that they can, uh, but there is sort of constantly changing protocols, constantly changing policies. In fact, even just this morning, the mayor announced adjustments to um, COVID policies and procedures. And so I think that a big uh, role that we've played as an agency and, and kind of in general has been to ensure that parents, guardians, families are getting up-to-date information, they're getting correct information, and they're getting their specific questions addressed. Um, we still have a lot of families who are really deeply concerned about the safety of their children as it relates to COVID. Uh, many of our young people, our students and adults in their home have um, health complications that would make COVID, if they, if they ended up um, becoming positive for COVID that would make that an especially sort of scary situation. So folks that have asthma, allergies, other respiratory issues that are um, especially prominent in our community, there's still a, a very deep and valid concern about what it means to be returning to these places where, you know, there are 25, 30 students in a classroom. So again, you know, that being said, the schools are doing everything they can in terms of wearing face coverings and social distancing, washing hands, disinfecting the rooms, all of that great stuff. Now, weekly testing for COVID um, of both students and staff. Um, I still think that there is a lot of fear um, and, and a little bit of resistance for some families. While there's been a lot of excitement and a lot of positivity and a lot of the young people are really happy to be back and be with their peers and their teachers, um, there's still some hesitancy that needs to be addressed and those families need to be supported in making sure that their students are getting safe school instruction. And if that's not possible for those families, then, you know, needing advocacy around finding alternatives for them to access instruction in such a way that is genuinely safe and secure for their family's needs. That's great. Yeah, I think that's important to look at it from such a, you know, from a holistic perspective on how this affects the the adults and the children and, and some of the fears that are still out there. Uh, with the adults, we have decided for this year to have remote learning around ESL classes for our parents. We feel that with going forward into this year, we wanted to just kind of limit any sort of uh, issues around closure. So we've decided to have ESL classes to be done all virtually from St. Peter's, through St. Peter's University. It's those are some ways that we have learned from last year. Uh, very much what Jessica said, being flexible, pivoting if needed, meeting families where they are. We've decided to just kind of go forward with that. And uh, especially as as we are entering into uh, the rest of this, this school year. So, um, you know, I think you guys may have touched on this, but last year, I mean, we, everyone had to pivot so quickly with pandemic. We had to get things in place, whether it was remote learning, get the technology you needed in place. So, and we've been talking about a lot of challenges. What do you think are some of the challenges that students and families will be faced with this coming school year? I mean, if, as you, if you can anticipate. And Jessica, we'll, we'll go start with you. 
Sure. I think there's sort of uh, tiers to concerns here. I, the one thing that comes to mind for me is that as younger people become eligible to receive the COVID vaccine, I suspect personally, this is just my own opinion, that the Department of Education in New York City will require the COVID vaccination for all eligible students, much in the same way that vaccines are required to attend school already. Uh, but given the historically strained relationship between the medical community and the government and marginalized communities, I'm anticipating that families are going to need a lot of advocacy and support in uh, not only receiving real information about the vaccines, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, supporting their decision to take them and accessing them themselves. I also think that, as I mentioned before, families are going to still need a lot of support in navigating the changing policies around COVID. I mean, week to week, day to day, these things are getting shuffled around. And it's all, I believe, in the best interest of, of the young people and their families. But it can be a lot to stay abreast of. And I think that, um, especially for families who whose lang primary language is not English, or who otherwise have difficulty accessing technology or, or information in general, those especially vulnerable families, I think, are going to need an additional layer of support of just being up to date about what is expected of them, their family, their student, you know, in terms of going to school and staying in school safely. And then I think on a, on a deeper level, you know, we are anticipating that because of the COVID pandemic and other challenges that students and families are going to need a much deeper level of support in terms of reaching their academic goals, but also in maintaining their health and mental health. So we're really preparing for and are already in the process of supporting families deeply around a really a wide range of important issues. Okay, thank you, Jessica. Mm -hmm. Josh, how about you? Can you, do you? can you think of, you know, some of the issues that families and, uh, and students will be facing this coming year? I know Jessica shared a lot, but do you have any that you'd like to add to that as well? Sure, yeah, I, I totally agree with Jessica. Just to add also, this year, again, learning from last year, it can very well be a year where we don't know exactly what will come uh, maybe a month or two from now, right? I think uh, the challenge is that many of our families are kind of hoping for the best, but expecting the worst to happen. And so challenge can very well happen well that if, if for whatever reason, COVID does surge in our area, uh, schools will completely shut down and go into a remote setting again. I think that's something that is, uh, can still be on the table for our, for our, our, our district. And I, it, so our parents and families, they're, um, they're definitely feeling very, very nervous about that. And, and like I had mentioned, many children did not do well in those settings. And, and so those are uh, one challenge that I can definitely see. Another challenge is, is also with what Jessica was mentioning about mental health. Many of our children, like I mentioned, dealt with social isolation, high anxiety, high depression. With my background in mental health as a, uh, as a licensed professional counselor in New Jersey, I have met with children, teens, and adults who are dealing with high levels of anxiety, who are dealing with depression, and they never had experienced these, uh, these symptoms before. And so mm -hmm. what we're trying to do in, for fa in Families for Literacy is uh, set up supports for all of our tiers of, of, of families, right, to be able to provide individual or group therapy when needed. We hired a, a social worker uh, on staff to be able to provide these services to our kids. And so one thing we are implementing this year is called a little class called Brighter Day, where we're helping kids who are dealing with trauma or, or loss and to prepare them 
and empower them for these for these moments of loss and, and trauma they've experienced in the past. And so we've we're helping kids to be able to be resilient even in these times that are so difficult. And and also uh, those uh, these services are going over to to the teenagers and the, the parents. And so we're trying our best, even though in 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 times of of trauma or even times of of stress, we are really trying to put our uh, our first foot forward to really support our families during this time. Thank you both. I wanted to touch a little bit more deeper or dig a little bit more deeper into the whole family approach. And Josh, you are working with a collaboration. So several agencies are working together with families to help them reach their goals. And some of those goals, a lot of those goals that those families set are around academic gains. They want to progress academically. They want their children to progress academically. They want themselves to uh, progress academically. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about how the collaboration really comes together to help families to reach some of those academic goals? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you said, Rochelle, uh, we do focus uh, not only on academics for children, but we also focus on the academics of parents as well. And so uh, I'll go more uh, first. I'll go first with the children. So we help our children to increase the, uh, their literacy level, the reading level through uh, many reading challenges that we push uh, for for our kids to be involved in. And of course, if you ever try to have a child do something that they don't want to do, uh, adding incentives really will, in, will do that. So we really provide these incentives that encourage them through field trips or prizes. And we've seen many of our kids every single year increase their reading levels uh, year by year, which is amazing to see. Uh, we, I, I'm part of New City Kids organization where we have an after-school program, like I've mentioned, and we provide tutoring uh, services for our kids on a, on a daily basis. Uh, but also, we, we go very hands-on with our parents as well, where the, the case managers, as I've mentioned, work with the parents to become self-advocates of their children, to go into schools or uh, to have parent-teacher meetings with their children's teachers on a monthly basis or with the principal or the guidance counselor. So we really encourage uh, the parents to be able to go in and uh, feel comfortable within the school system. But also for parents, we, we focus on increasing, uh, helping them to learn and increase their English level through St. Peter's University. St. Peter's University has an excellent ESL program where we've seen parents improve in their English time in and time out. And so uh, every year as they're increasing their, their English, that also triggers down to their children for them to be even more advocates for them to be able to be more, help their children with their homework or understand really the, maybe the issues of schools with their kids because of their increase of English. And then not only do we help them with increasing their English for their parents, we have a partnership with uh, Women Rising where they have a job placement training program where they train parents on around Microsoft Office, uh, bookkeeping, and, and also other vocational trainings to help them to increase their skill level to be able to go into the workforce more successfully. And, and not only that, we also are with Rising Tide Capital, which is an entrepreneurship training organization where we, they help parents or individuals to try to build them and train them to open up their own small businesses. So 
as you can see, Families for Literacy, we, we really try to not only help the children in building their academics, but also the parents and a whole list of different services that will be able to build them and be successful in whatever goals that they have in their future. Thanks, Just. And Jessica, you know, again, digging deeper, a little bit deeper into the whole family approach, the Arthur Project, you sort of work alone, but you work in a very, uh, you know, academic setting, but you're showing the flexibility of the whole family approach. And that's one of the things is that the whole family approach can be utilized in so many different ways. And it can be, you know, when we talk about education, when we talk about the health sector, when we talk about, you know, even for the Arthur Project in mentoring, can you tell us a little bit about how you're, you know, working with the whole, using the whole family approach to assist families again, as it relates to their academic gains for their, for their children, or even for themselves, you know, serving as a resource to some of the, some of the parents there in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, much like Josh described, you know, we, we take this umbrella of academic engagement and really think about it from a few different perspectives. The, the first is the student themselves and their relationship to their own education, to their school and their own kind of trajectory and what the future holds for them. Uh, but then there's also the component of the family as it relates to the student's academic engagement. So thinking about how we can support relationship building between the parents and, and the schools, much in the way that Josh described. And then, of course, there's the whole family sort of academic engagement, academic goals. You know, we have parents and guardians who are pursuing their own education, pursuing employment that requires more education or a different type of education. So we really hold this this umbrella of academic engagement to really be a whole family uh, dimension for us. Over the last year, you know, one thing that we heard from families time and time again was that their students' academic engagement was their primary concern. Um, so we really work to support students directly, but also families in meeting this need. Using the whole family approach, we're able to support those students directly in developing organizational skills, self-advocacy skills, critical thinking skills, but we also support students in developing positive relationships with teachers and peers, which creates a more positive overall school experience. And then we also assess for underlying unmet health, mental health, and learning needs that once addressed will create more uh, possibilities for academic engagement. So after we kind of take all that information together, we can really partner with families to ensure that students and families have all the tools and information they need to learn successfully and have a positive school experience. Um, but that component of really acting as a liaison between our families and schools has become really important for us. And over time, we're learning that this is the area that our parents really view us as a resource in that many of our parents and guardians and families, especially for students who um, may be chronically absent or at risk of chronically absent, uh, becoming chronically absent, or who have other challenges kind of in the school building, that a lot of times those parents, guardians, those whole families have either no relationship with the school or a sort of negative or strange relationship with the school. So we find that by partnering with families, we're able to advocate on their behalf and also act as sort of a mediator, a liaison between themselves and the school, ultimately with the goal of strengthening that relationship and making it a more positive working collaborative relationship between the whole family and the school itself. I think that I've been hearing a lot too from some of the other practitioners that are 
implementing the whole family approach that advocacy is a big was a biggie during this time helping families to be able to now advocate for their children for the things that they needed and so jessica can you share anything about any stories that success stories that you may have around uh, the whole family approach being helpful in helping families Sure, absolutely. And actually, I'd encourage you all, if you have a moment, to visit our website, thearthurproject.org. Um, on our homepage, we have a video that we shared from our end of year ceremony. And uh, it's really beautiful to watch. And the reason I'm sharing it now is because one of the things that we heard uh, when we opened up the floor for parents and guardians and families to share about their experience with us and, and for the students as well was how important the family advocacy program, the whole family approach was for them this last year. Um, it was, I truly, you know, without exaggeration, believe that it was life-changing for some of the families that we work with. And it was pretty gratifying to hear that expressed kind of unexpectedly through during our end of year ceremony. Uh, but without a doubt, the whole family programming really made a deep impact in the, the lives of the families that we serve, especially over this last year. You know, a lot of our families really struggled, obviously, to have their basic needs met and to support their students learning through the many disruptions of COVID. Uh, but because of the whole family approach, families were able to get these basic needs met, which then allowed them to free up precious time and resources and energy to devote to other important whole family goals, like pursuing their own higher education or employment goals, which did happen for uh, many of our parents and guardians over this last year. We also heard from parents whose students had been learning remotely for the entire year, so we're really at home for the entire school year, that the relationship that was developed with the child's mentor completely in a virtual environment really became a critical component for the entire family's well-being and mental health, but especially for the young people. Having those live Zoom sessions with their mentor throughout the course of the week and, you know, text messaging in between and all of that good stuff, it really allowed for the young people to safely connect with somebody, with a caring, trained adult. Um, who was attentive to their individual needs and to really get professional support in processing the many challenges and stresses that were a result of being at home and as, as a result of the COVID pandemic in itself. Um, so, you know, a lot of our successes were around the resources that were freed up for families because through the mentoring, a whole family mentoring relationship, the mentors and the family advocate were really able to support the young people and the adults in getting their basic needs met. Um, and that was a pretty common theme that we heard from families throughout the whole year. I just wanna to add to that. And, and Jessica just reminded me uh, about the power of connection, even during the pandemic. It's, yeah. if, if we, 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 um, we don't realize that sometimes having Zoom calls really can't keep us connected and we're not in the same room, but we're still much close to each other. So that reminds me of when we were doing the online reading program all year round, where we would have about a hundred kids coming on Zoom after, after being on Zoom for a whole day of school. Uh, I mean, if you ask me spending six hours of on in class and then jumping into a, an online reading program, I don't think I would do that, but many of our kids did because they were so excited. They were so happy to see their, their, their friends and be able to uh, just learn and have fun together uh, on these online reading calls. We, uh, we, in New City Kids, we hire teenagers uh, to be the mentors and teachers to our, our students, to our children. 
And so many of the teenagers, uh, they, they had fun games on the, on the Zoom call, getting kids all excited for reading, being connected in, in this way virtually. You, we saw how powerful building uh, this, these relationships were throughout this year. And Zoom allowed it, and, and we were able to really see some really beautiful things happen with our kids, our families, and even now, uh, those, those relationships, and I, I, I bet Jess, Jessica would agree, those relationships are now even stronger uh, than ever before because of what we all went through together throughout this past year. And so we're, that has, has allowed us to even be, be, be able to work with families even closer, and, and that trust right? That the whole family approach calls, uh, creates trust within our families and within our programs, which is really great to see. That's great. It's really great to hear that story too, Josh, because, you know, I've been hearing too a lot about from other practitioners that the, some of the kids were facing Zoom fatigue. Mm-hmm. So to be able to use Zoom in that way is really good to be able to, you know, to help kids to be able to engage. You know, I think that's great. So that's all the time that we have for today. And I would like to thank you both, Josh and Jessica, for joining us in our podcast and sharing your experiences and your work through the lens of education. Because as you've all, as you both described, uh, children's success is, is very much linked to uh, the, the adults in their lives' success and the parents in their lives' success. And, and having that whole family approach, having those whole, every member of their environment engaged in their learning is, like you said, Josh, um, a way more effective way in helping families reach their goals. So we hope that you, our listeners, enjoyed today's podcast. Please be sure to join us next month when we discuss financial wellness with our guests, Wanda Hardy of Financial Wellness Institute and Rakina Cabezas of the Family Strengthening Network. Stay tuned for more to come. Working Together for Working Families, sponsored by the Pascal Sykes Foundation, is published monthly. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the Whole Family Approach, visit our website, wholefamilyapproach.org.